0: You're listening to episode 388 of the UAV Digest. I'm Max Flight. And I'm David Vetterhoff. Hello, Max, and can you believe it? It's December. Yeah, we're marching along. <laughs> Next thing you know, it'll be 2022.
1: I, yeah, I mean, didn't, didn't we just start doing this episode, like, a few weeks ago I mean just it's it's been a long strange year I have to say that with my moving and your moving and and other things it's been it's definitely been a unique year especially for this show
0: that's true I'm I'm hoping for next year to be a little little more calm and structured and simple
1: structured and simple sounds good I am I, in agreement. As I as I sit here by the fireplace in my new place of residence, you know, soaking up the warmth of the fireplace with the Christmas lights around. It's it's I'm looking forward to a nice calm 2022. All right. One can hope. So let's talk about drones. How about that? That's why we're here. Decreasing the dangers of drones to aircraft, injunctions against local drone rules. FAA launches the 12 Days of Drones campaign, a $9,000 drone from Sony, a long-endurance solar drone, an amphibious drone tanker, and a navy drone sub. Hub. Hub. Oh, and a navy drone hub, navy drone sub. I well, okay. Well, yeah, it's a base somewhere. It is. <laughs> so, let's get started. Well, our first story is from WFLA.com. Captain John Hawks, an aviation expert, weighs in on how to decrease drone
0: dangers in aircraft. Yeah, we know that drones have been dangerous to to aircraft, especially around airports, but not exclusively. So uh, Captain John Cox, who I see is a, a pilot himself, a longtime pilot, previously airline did some corporate flying, and he's a general aviation pilot. But he has a couple of points, a couple of ideas. Uh, They're not new or unique, maybe, but uh, the first is that the FAA needs to prioritize and pursue enforcement. And I think we've been seeing some of that lately. I agree. I mean,
1: I know that we're sort of preaching to the choir about this, but especially this time of year, we do get new people involved with, drones because of because of the holidays and presents, et cetera. It's kind of important to remind people, you know, of what needs to be done. And the FAA having some teeth or at least encouraging enforcement of the regulations is a very good thing.
0: And I think public awareness of that fact is important because the more the word gets out that people are receiving fines uh, or are running afoul of the law in other ways. The more that people see that and hear that, the more effective it's going to be. If it if it never makes it into the press or only occasionally, it kind of blunts the uh, the impact. But I hope the the FAA is, you know, looking at it from that aspect as well. How do you get the word out that? not only are you supposed to do this and not supposed to do that and not only do you uh, subject yourself to fines if you uh, you know if you do the wrong things but how do you get that word out i think that's important
1: uh yeah absolutely the other thing it was it it may be necessary to increase the requirements for drone licensing <sighs> um i i i don't know what that really means, and he wasn't very clear where he was going with, with that statement.
0: I, I mean, Max, what what's your opinion on it? Well, I guess that he's thinking about recreational drone operators a little bit more than he is about commercial or professional operators, because there are requirements for uh, licensing and so forth for those commercial operations, but it's the Perhaps the recreational flyers that don't know the rules as well as maybe they should, and I guess he's suggesting that if the uh, the the drone licensing requirements reached deeper into that recreational segment of of drone flyers, that that might help the situation.
1: Yes, uh, I, but I'm questioning whether it's realistic or not. Uh, you know that. People who are gonna get a drone for Christmas are gonna go out and get a license to fly it. There's a positive gain and then there's a negative gain to this. So I don't know. Look at the article on our on our webpage. Um, maybe you, everybody else has got some opinions, but you know, it it is still a far climax from where we started when we started the show about pilots being really, really frightened about UAVs in the airspace, too, working on how do we mitigate the problems? You know, they aren't disappearing, right? And it isn't as bad as people expected, but we do need to look out and mitigate for the
0: problems. Yes.
1: So talking about mitigation, a Michigan judge blocks county drones ban on public properties. This is from Drone DJ. A circuit court in Michigan issued an injunction it blocks Ottawa County from restricting drone flights in parks and banning them at other public properties. Well, what do you think, Max? You can't tell somebody where they can, f- where they can, or they can't fly an
0: airplane. Unless you're the FAA, but otherwise, mm, nope. And uh, I think this judge made a, a sound ruling and uh, she, she, uh, she said that local restrictions that were uh, implemented in Ottawa County violated Michigan's Unmanned Aircraft Systems Act, which basically defers to federal laws. And as they point out, that when you're looking at whose law applies, you generally go up to the highest level. So the Ottawa County folks, while you know, maybe well-intended, uh, have to defer to the Michigan state law And the Michigan state law, it turns out, is sound in that it defers to federal laws. So the bottom line is that Ottawa County cannot restrict these drone flights. They cannot prohibit unauthorized recordings at county land or facilities that it's something that the FAA can do, but not them.
1: The Michigan uh, Coalition of Drone Operators had filed the complaint. Um, They also successfully had a defense in 2020 when a circuit judge agreed that officials in Genesee County could not similarly regulate drones. So clearly there is a trend on the local level to defer to the federal government. And I'm sure that that will keep going. It's just, it's, it is so unusual, Max, that you've got a local governments trying to regulate something like an aircraft, even though they're very, very tiny aircraft. It does seem kind of, there, there seems to be a gap between what people think drones are and what people think are an aircraft, you know? And I don't know how you
0: educate them to bridge the gap that they're the same, but different, you know? (laughs) I don't know what Ottawa County in Michigan has for staff and all, but, I mean, most jurisdictions have a, a legal person. And you would think that they would kind of be looking at proposed regulations or ordinances and be at least somewhat aware of issues like this, but uh, we, we just don't seem to have that happening.
1: So, tis the season. Are you looking to buy a drone this holiday? There are FAA operating rules and regulations. Well, I know that we talk about this every year, Max, but you know, we come along, people come along and start out in December and January with new drones. So we try to keep them in the loop. If you're a recent listener and you just
0: started flying, you do need to know this stuff. And the FAA wants to help you understand what this stuff is. So they've got this 12 Days of Drones campaign, and it's a public education campaign, really, to um, help folks understand the rules, the regulations, as well as the best practices for operating drones. So this launched on December 1st, 2021. And as uh, the title, 12 Days of Drones suggests, for each day, starting on actually on the second December 2nd, which is today as we record this, uh, there is a communication, a tip, a lesson, a best practice, uh, a regulation, something that you need to know. It represents an attempt by the FAA to get the word out on some of these issues.
1: And it's a good smattering of stuff on the first day of the FAA, or thing. What I really do need to know is what I need to know to fly. On the second day, how to register your drone. The first day, what do I need to know how to fly? And oh, no, I'm not going to yeah. go any further. But um, I, I, like, I like day three. Um, test requirements for recreational flyers. Or
0: trust the recreational UAS safety test. And uh, there are other uh, other things on other days. Where can you fly? Things about airspace restrictions, flying at night, and flying over people, and some uh, some other good ones as well. The twelfth day is a nice one. It's a little bit of it's a little bit different in intent. It's drones for good. So uh, I'm curious to see to see what that is. But they're going to be posting these. They the FAA is going to be posting these safety messages on the FAA Drone Zone Twitter, also their Facebook account through the week. We'll have links to those in the in the show notes. And the FAA also released a video, a new video, that reminds people of the rules and regulations that drone pilots have to follow. I we'll have a link to that video as well. And, you know, if, uh, if you don't take advantage of these these things yourself, but you're aware of somebody else, a, a sibling, a neighbor, a friend uh, who uh, needs to, you know, get the faith, then maybe you can point them to this information. Maybe they'll learn something that they wouldn't otherwise. Yeah. Share the knowledge and share the wealth. And, you know,
1: we, we are a community and, and definitely we want to welcome new people in the community, but the new people need to learn the rules and the regs. So, yeah. Be kind, share. Max, you got nine grand that you want to loan me for Christmas?
0: No, and that's just to get started.
1: And and the worst part about it is they ain't even shipping so Santa Claus can deliver them till
0: on the 24th, so not even Amazon's that good. This is the Sony Airpeak S1. It's really a pro-level quadcopter, and Sony announced this early in the year, uh, hadn't said much about it during the course of the year uh, but now we see that it's available they uh, what's well, available for pre-order as we record this estimated they'll be shipping these on December 24th but it's a uh, it's a quadcopter and it's designed for the Sony Alpha series uh, of full frame mirrorless cameras. And Sony did a lot of the design work themselves. They didn't just cobble together components from others, at least not in all cases.
1: No, and this is quite the heavy-duty vehicle. It has a flight time of 22 minutes without a payload. It's stable in winds up to 44.7 miles per hour. It has a retractable landing gear for unobstructed camera field of view. And the gimbal... I mean, it's nine thousand dollars is just the quadcopter. If you want the gimbal, it's another twenty two hundred U.S. dollars, um, and we're not even talking about the Alpha cameras, which you need. So, this is Sony putting it out there for professionals. I mean, we can all dream, but you know, I I kind of would be terrified to to be at the controls of a a, a fifteen thousand dollar um drone i you know that's worth more than the car yeah
0: it it all adds up though clearly this is for the professional market as we've said video productions and so uh, probably have a you know rather limited you know market for this i imagine it'll be um interesting to see how successful this is and how it competes with you know other Large drones, large quadcopters, large multi rotors used for uh, professional video productions, and technology always does get cheaper
1: over time. So it's wondering, you know, I Sony may be going for a high end right now, but wouldn't surprise me in five years if this is successful that they'll have a mid range and a lower range product. Um, I mean, the Alpha the Alpha cameras are rapidly becoming a
0: standard. And we have a video uh, produced by Sony that we'll put in the show notes at the uavdigest.com. And it shows sort of the key features of the Airpeak S1. And so you can get a, a a better idea of just what this looks like and what its capabilities are.
1: So our next story, again, comes from Drone DJ. Um, E-Solar thermal drone flies marathon test session. This flight took place in
0: July and flew for a long time, Max. 26 hours. So this is the K-1000 ULE from Krauss-Hamdani Aerospace. It's a California startup. They characterize it as an electric, solar, thermal-powered UAV. I think the ULE in the model name... K-1000 ULE stands for ultra-long endurance, which is kind of what this company is uh, focused on. Now, we said uh, 26-hour flight time, uh, but that's just one flight. Uh, They say that this uh, should be able to stay airborne for days or even weeks, so, you know, very extended. Yeah, and, and of course, it's targeting markets
1: like first responders— Disaster control situations and armed forces, where you need per- persistence, persistent surveillance, and Max. I kind of longingly when I heard the words K one thousand, it took me back to my photography days mm. and the world's greatest camera, the Pentax K one thousand. Yeah, so I was. I, I'm. I'm assuming that Krauss-Hammerstein Aerospace
0: is going to be successful because you can't go wrong with the term K-1000. I guess. Now, this has some interesting features. Uh, well, well, some of the standard things are uh, sensors, but it has sensors that can scan for thermals, right? The same kinds of thermals we talk about when we talk about gliders. And there's some kind of an AI component to that, of course, because everything has to have AI these days. But in any event, supposedly this can locate thermals. And then when it finds them, it can use the thermals for flight energy. So whereas uh, normally you've got the electric motors, you've got the solar cells to charge up the batteries, which, by the way, lets it fly at night uh, on battery power, but when it finds thermals, it can use the energy of the thermals. So the you know the motor shuts off, uh, the blades even retract, and then this uh, this aircraft goes into glider mode and uses the thermals to uh, to stay aloft. That's kind of unique. I think that might be totally unique. I
1: agree. Um, Sixteen foot wingspan and weighing only fifteen pounds, it is kind of amazing and. Again, using these large wings to act as solar panels. But the addition of being able to track thermals is, I have a feeling there's going to be, whatever that technology is, is going to show up in gliders pretty quickly. People who, who fly gliders, that's like shooting fish in a pond, in a fish in a barrel, if they can locate the thermals without actually having to
0: um, feel their way for them. So this aircraft has no landing gear. Landing is accomplished by just simply sliding onto the ground or whatever surface you're landing on. In terms of launching, their website says it can launch from the roof of a moving vehicle, and that's covered in some of the videos that they show. It can be bungee launched, and it says there it can be launched VTOL, only I don't see how that would work. But it looks like a glider. It's shaped like a current um, high-performance kind of glider. Uh, but it can operate in strong winds. And another uh, feature of this that has some uh, real advantages for certain applications is it's quiet. Yeah, very low audio signature. It's very quiet. It is.
1: So, yeah, check, that, check out the video. It, it's quite the interesting piece of tech. And again, there's more than one way to find a solution, but um, hail hail aircraft or high-altitude long-endurance are are probably the way of of the future, Um, and we're still working on those persistent satellites that we talked about or pseudo-satellites that we've talked about over the year. Let's talk about over the horizon, a 1,000-gallon scooping amphibious drone air tanker. This was from fireaviation.com. Drone America has two versions of its twin-engine amphibious drone, the Aerial Mark II with a load capacity of 350 pounds and the larger
0: Aerial Scoop Drone UAS. The Aerial Scooper drone is, is the one that seems particularly interesting uh, because this, this would have application for firefighting. It should be able to scoop up to 1,000 gallons of water off
1: a lake and drop it on a wildfire. Um, That's 8,500 pounds, you know, and that's a substantial delivery system, and there a lot of small water fire bombers, it would be comparable to that. And to be able to go to the lake and replenish and and
0: continue a a loop, that's pretty cool. The article mentions, I think, that this um, aerial drone is uh, similar in operation to the the Canadair CL-415, which later became the Bombardier C, uh, the Bombardier 415, uh, is a manned aircraft that can scoop up water. But uh, it's fascinating, and it also kind of raises the, the possibility or the vision of fleets of these things or a swarm of these things that can scoop up water a thousand gallons at a time and, um, fight wildfires. That sounds like a really kind of interesting thought. Yeah. so unfortunately we
1: have to, we have to imagine swarms of drones dropping water on wildfires that are big enough to warrant swar- swarms of drones dropping water on fire. You know, um, the, the CL415 was built by the Canadians and it's a, Two engine turboprop, and it's specifically designed for firefighting. Literally, it flies along the waters, um, drops a scoop down, scoops up the water on the lake from the lake, and then delivers it to wherever they need to do. And they keep doing that in a circle until um, they need to go back and run and fill up with gas. Um, So you could imagine, like Max says, like 10 or maybe 15 of these bombers sort of going in a conga line in a loop, you know, one scooping up water while one's dropping, you know. It, and what kind of AI would be involved with, with you know, a single-man system driving 12 drones dropping thousands of gallons of water
0: in a matter of 15, 20 minutes? It's kind of an impressive thought. And besides water drops, they, they also point to other possible applications, uh, things like humanitarian aid, disaster relief, but also maritime patrol and quick equipment dispatch. So a lot of applications, um, they can transport more than just water. They could be used to transport oil, diesel, and uh, dry supplies. So they're suggesting that it's not an aircraft that could only be used during uh, or in firefighting operations, is that other types of missions would also be uh, accomplished with this aircraft. And an amphibious aircraft can take off and land from land
1: or take off and land from water. So it's very versatile. So is the United States heading to the desert of Jordan. Okay, well, the coast of the Red Sea. But they've announced a drone
0: hub with Jordan. And what's going on here, Max? So the United States Navy and the Jordanian Navy... They're creating a drone operations hub, a joint hub, at the, uh, the Red Sea. Now, this is at an existing Royal Jordanian naval base, and they would be uh, stationing their Task Force 59's new sail drone explorer unmanned surface vehicles, or USVs. This sail drone is uh, an interesting Uh, interesting craft. It's got wind-powered propulsion, it's got solar-powered meteorological and oceanographic sensors, and also advanced acoustic and camera systems. So this thing can really, you know, check out its environment. And they hope to use these for uh, autonomous, long-range data collection missions in ocean environments. They note that even though they're autonomous, they remain under constant human supervision via a satellite link. So they don't go off roaming completely without human oversight. But these are, these are little craft that can sail around and sense whatever needs to be sensing, I guess. They're spying on the whales. But um,
1: they're not, in max little fairness, they're not little. They're 23 feet long. Um, the wind power comes from a 15-foot hard sail or a hard wing with a longitudinal spar and a vertical tail, and, and they have up to 21 months' worth of endurance. So they're self-sufficient little vehicles as they go chugging around the Red Sea. And I, I always I always like hard sail technology that seems so futuristic compared to sails and and fabric and cloth all those years but you know sometimes these really tall masts for those
0: rigid sails are are really cool kind of looks like a wing that's stood up on its on its root now they also note that these usvs would uh, be equipped with uh, automatic identification system transceivers, also have navigation lights and a a radar reflector. They'd have high visibility wing colors. And so they're doing those things or they're including those things in the interest of safe operation, all of which means that (laughs) while these are collecting data, uh, they're not gonna be really sneaking around
1: no, especially, especially places like the Gulf or the, the Red Sea, where there is so much traffic. I mean, if you think about it, Max, we remember what happened when the tanker got stuck in the uh, Suez Canal, the amount of ships that were backing up into the Red Sea in the Mediterranean. I mean, this is the environment that these little ships are going to um, sail in, so Yeah, you do want them to be high environment because there's a lot of traffic in the area. But it's a novel experiment that, you know, we've got these programs in another nation working with us to do sea exploration, I guess we should call it.
0: All right, well, you found a video of the week for us,
1: David. I did. Um, Walmart's dropping jerseys in partnership with the the Arkansas Razorbacks. Um, Walmart delivered... Razorback jerseys via drone each time Arkansas scored in a
0: game against Missouri. They were operated by DroneUp, and they only uh, delivered close by within a one-mile radius. But it's kind of a, you know, interesting public relations. Uh, I won't call it a stunt, but an activity to to generate some awareness. You know, Razorback fans are passionate. And I'm sure that they all knew that these uh, drone deliveries were taking place. And, you know, it's a great way for generating some awareness. And, you know, it's sort of fun. It's, it is fun. It's also, uh, you know, a way for Walmart to uh, uh, sort of create that kind of awareness I was talking about. And, you know,
1: Walmart is Arkansas. So it's, it's, it, it, it was good for everybody. Um, so watch the video. I got all excited when I first put it on because I, I had this vision of a drone coming over the stadium and dropping lots and lots and lots of jerseys. But that's not what happened. But it's still worth watching.
0: Uh, one more item we uh, got a notice from the Dutch company, Avey, AVY, and they've launched a drone response network. Now, we're curious to learn more about this, but it combines docking stations and VTOL autonomous aircraft. And the idea, I think, is that this network would provide drone coverage over a certain geographic area. So, for example, if there is a critical incident or some kind of um, you know disaster event, that setting up this drone response network would allow for rapid deployment Uh, medical supplies or emergency services or something of that sort. And so they're uh, anticipating first flights of this around the first quarter of next year, 2022. So we'll keep an eye on that. Sounds uh, very interesting. And we'll have a link in the the show notes to an article that uh, talks about this drone response network. So, Max,
1: I guess we should wrap that up so I can go sit by the fire and warm up. Um, <laughs> sounds comfy. Sounds festive. It sounds, fe- yes, it's, it's very holiday-ish. Um, so you can find us on our Slack listener team, and you do that by sending us an email to feedback at the UAV digest.com. Of course, Max and I are on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, any other social media Um if you want want to see pictures of my dog, you can check out whatjustflewby.com on Instagram. And we'll be back next week. So I'm going to say this is David in Delaware. And this is Max in Connecticut this week. Thanks for listening.